did I ever tell you about this stool that I made when I was about 15 or so? No. Tell me about the stool that you made. Okay, well, you know, we had this big pile of lumber behind our house that my brothers and I took all the nails out of. So we had an ample supply of lumber to experiment with. And I had this collection of girly magazines. I know what? that. Yeah, I know that dates. What the heck, Denbo? Well, I was that's, uh, that's 14 or 15, and I was very interested in girls. And any picture of a girl of any kind of beauty... I would be all over oh my that gosh. picture. But you know, I would never... I mean, t- to me, you know that in this day and age, that's not something that we would promote. Like, we would be well, against I'm objectifying to, women. I'm but... trying not to promote it. <sighs> I'm trying to live it down. Okay. But I I had this collection. Let's just put it that way. Okay. And I had younger brothers who would certainly destroy my collection. And I had a younger sister or two who might squeal to mom and dad and get me in trouble. So I had to find a good place to hide them. And me being me, I thought of, well, what's the best place to hide anything but in plain sight? So I built a stool out of dimensional lumber, some 2x4s and some 1x12s. And I built this stool specifically to the proportion of Playboy magazines which were considered very risque at the time. Oh, of course. And so I had the uh, artifacts in hand, and I designed the whole structure around this to wedge them up against the bottom of this top. It would be the underside the of seat. the seat yeah. of this stool. Right, I'm getting it. So I built it to custom size, I sawed all the pieces with a handsaw, cleaned up after myself, and I built this really cool stool. But now the problem was how to make it so it would be easy to get at them when I had a little privacy and no brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers hanging around. So (laughs) I got a piece of plywood and I cut it to fit. And of course, this is not just rectangular, but there had to be notches in the corners in order to fit around the legs which were made of two by fours Mm -hmm. so i very carefully honed all my crafting skills in carpentry and i made a bottom for it that would have six screws that would fasten this into place that i could quickly remove and quickly replace so this was the first solution to my problem now i had a place but I had to make sure that they wouldn't move around in there because then that would give away the fact. I wanted this stool to be readily accessible and usable so that nobody would guess what was the contents. Sure. So I had this notion and I found a piece of really thin plywood that I could make just a little bit too big so I would push it into the opening and it would be like a spring that held these playboys up against the top. And thus, I was able to perfect my secret place. Long story short, I grew out of the uh, Playboy magazine business when I had a real girl and I got married and I moved away from home. And honest to goodness, I forgot all about it until years later, I had the opportunity to realize that This stool that I made that had my Playboy collection in it 
had moved from West Branch to Midland. My dad used it all the time <laughs> to paint and saw and whatever. Unknowingly, my, knowing my, my what brothers was in there. used it all the time. Who knows? My mom and sisters might have used it. But over the years, it aged and it moved not only to Midland, but then it moved to East Tawas and then it moved to Petoskey, where I think it might still be. Um, somewhere around the time, like 30 years later, my dad discovered by secret. And uh, so he moved by collection to a place of safekeeping. Oh, so you did get busted then, but you were an adult. Well, no, I, I think I had confessed, and that might be why he decided to take them out of there should no. grandchildren get into it. So I, oh, my gosh, Denbo. I'm just amazed that this stool moved and was used, and I did such a good job that nobody had a clue. How's your coffee? Well, my coffee's delicious. Somebody else made it. <laughs> it's the best, right? That's what it you is. say. The best coffee is the coffee somebody else made. It is. And there's nobody that makes better coffee than my wife, Lois. Oh, uh, yeah. That is something I do make. I just want to put that out there for everybody. Let's have some clarification that I do make something at home. <laughs> coffee. <laughs> so, Denbo, you told the story about the stool that you made, but I think there's another stool story in your history, in your past yeah, well, the time was 1968, and it was springtime, and the little town of West Branch, where I grew up, had an outbreak of infectious hepatitis, mm. and there were 85 or so people who were sick. That sounds like scary. Well, it was an epidemic, certainly not a pandemic, because it was localized, and at a certain point, the community had lots of rumors and theories like the Dairy Queen where all the kids hung out or one restaurant or another or a school activity as to how so many people got sick. But uh, eventually the Center for Disease Control came to West Branch and started interviewing everybody that got sick to try to figure out how did this happen and what was the index case or the source. They do like contact tracing. Yeah, that's what they were doing. And they came to visit us. <clears throat> our whole family had uh, eight of us, and they sat in our living room. Three people from the CDC, my mom, my dad, myself, my younger brothers, and my two sisters. Now, my mom had been extremely sick as my little sister was. They both oh, came down first. Yeah. So everybody sad. was worried, first of all, that the baby of the family, Jenna, was going to get sick oh. and die. And then my mom got so sick, we were really worried about her. But they came and talked to us last because mom just was too sick. Finally, she got well enough that she could talk. Mm. And we were all past the infectious stage. But <clears throat> a unique thing is they were three people from the CDC sitting in our living room. We're all lined up, and they started asking the same questions of everybody. And mom and dad answered their questions. I answered their questions. And then we came to my younger brother. And the part that's so funny, I know our last episode we talked about my stool. <laughs> this ties into today's story because the, one of the questions that the CDC investigators asked in sequence is, and what color was your stool? <laughs> and I could tell by the way my brother tilted his head that he did not get what that meant. <laughs> 
and I could just see the calamity coming. <laughs> so he tilted his head back the other way and says, I don't have a stool. My brother Dennis, he has a stool. And it was everything I could do to keep from laughing because I was sure by that stage that he was going to say, it's made out of wood and it's covered with spatters of paint. Oh, well, my God, that's so funny. Ultimately, I love I, that story. That's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> well, ultimately, I figured out that mom or dad would explain it to him. And uh, he got it, and he said, oh, well, it was not unusual. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious, Denpo. Well, so, you know, that was just the oh, first man. of many discoveries of life with the Surgeon family. And the um, really weird thing is in the last year, we've had this pandemic, the COVID crisis, and we've had a chance to reflect on it. And interestingly, one of my cousin's daughters is going to PA school, and she discovered a story about West Branch and the hepatitis outbreak. And she found a story in this textbook that they were studying about the Simpson family. So in referring to, you know, other members of the family, she says, isn't this like you guys? And we, we, uh, you know, everybody in the family knew that we had it, but fortunately it was just the surgeon part of the family in West Branch that got it, not everybody else. Um, but the long story short is the, uh, book said that it was the Simpson family. And in they, West Branch, Michigan. Yeah, and they said, and we wish we could have interviewed them first instead of last because we unraveled the source, the index case, because the mother remembered specifically the weekend that this outbreak began because she wanted to get home after a shopping trip to town where she got groceries for the week and she got a selection of donuts from the local bakery and she remembered it so vividly because it was the weekend after Martin Luther King was killed and she wanted to get home and watch the news to see what else was going on with respect to riots and so she was able to pinpoint the exact occurrences of that weekend and she bought a batch of donuts and incidentally Everybody that got sick had the donuts. The only two that didn't get sick were the two who did not eat the donuts. And it reminded me as I read the story that, oh, yeah, the reason that my dad and my brother Terry, who were angels of mercy, they took care of us throughout this debacle. Oh, yeah. Um, they were saved because they were gone when the donuts <laughs> arrived. And my brother Dave and I took care of their donuts plus some. <laughs> so Dave and I were sick. So tell me, Dembo, do you still eat donuts? Oh, yeah. I love donuts, especially <laughs> the same kind of donuts that we had that day. They were delicious. <laughs> but after reading the whole story, it does take the edge off of their deliciousness because the, <laughs> the guy who prepared the donuts... When he showed the CDC how he did his job, he made the icing in a shallow pan with confectioner's sugar and a little water. It was uncooked. Oh. 
Yeah, which is normal. That's like a glaze. Yeah, well, but the interesting part is he mixed it in the tray by hand without wearing rubber gloves or, or vinyl gloves. And he mixed it with his hand, I think, He mixed right? it with his bare oh, hands. gross. So gross. <clears throat> well, and then he iced the donuts by picking up two in each hand, dipping them in the shallow tray, then flipping them over, again, coating the icing and the donuts and his hands with this icing. It was pretty disgusting. Then he took great pride in showing how he could put four donuts at a time up on a rack to drip dry. And so his, as they described it in the book, <clears throat> his hands were covered with icing. And he happened to be the very first person who reported the symptoms, symptoms of infectious hepatitis that very day. He iced the donuts in a way he was very proud. And then he went... <laughs> And to the hospital. And said he wasn't feeling well. To said he was sick. sick. Oh, my gosh. And that, that if is... I had a donut in my stomach, I think that probably would have turned my stomach. Because oh. it was graphic and gross. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime. The name of that book is called, I think that book was called Medical Detectives, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And it's very accurate. It is exactly what was going on at the time. Except the hilarity that ensued is my brother Dave and I realized that now that my brother and my dad had been spared from it, it was our own gluttony that had saved them. <laughs> Thank you, Denbo. I love that story. I love you, Denbo. I love you, Lo. Kisses.